Well, good morning. It is, uh, it's great to see you this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome. Those of you who are able to uh, battle it out in the, the nasty, colder, I know that that four-letter words coming on later starts with an S. Be careful. Um, <laughs> but it is our birthday month, and uh, that's right. Uh, Wellhouse is turning seven. And uh, over the course of the month, you're going to see some faces like that, some faces who probably look familiar to you if you've been around a little bit. If you haven't, stick around a bit. Uh, you'll become familiar with them. We're excited to be able to celebrate uh, together. And we know that exciting things have happened in the past. That's wonderful. And we are so great, uh, grateful to be able to celebrate those things. However, we also know that exciting things are coming. And we, that's right. Hey, listen, you, you can clap for that. You can clap for that. We know that exciting things are coming. And we're preparing for that. And this month, as we talk, we're, we're kind of, this, this whole message series from, from here to there is talking about how we feel like God is, is, is directing us and calling us. And listen, here's the thing. We don't have all of the specifics yet, all right? But that's a part of trusting God. So over the next couple of weeks, as we get together and share with you, we, we feel like God is directing some of our footsteps, but we're also going out in faith, knowing that God is preparing a way and that he truly is holding it all together. Today, if you have your Bible, go ahead and flip on over or scroll on over to the book of Joshua chapter one. We're gonna get there in a few moments, but I couldn't think of a better way to start this series from here to there than starting with this story of Joshua. But before we start, I wanna give some kind of backlog, some history on the story of Joshua and the part that we're gonna be reading on, partly because I love history and I hope that there's a part of you inside that doesn't thoroughly hate history or the next five minutes are going to be really rough. Um, but the other part of it is a reminder of the way that God is faithful. He's faithful to his people even when we are not faithful to him. And we remember the story of Joshua. Joshua is getting ready to, in Joshua chapter 1, take over the promised land. But that promised land really starts back in Genesis chapter 12. All the way back to the very beginning book of the Bible, we read this story. Genesis chapter 12, all of a sudden we meet this guy named Abram out of nowhere. And God says, hey, listen, Abram, I'm going to bless you and all nations, all people are going to be blessed through you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make good on this covenant, meaning God says it doesn't really matter what you do, right? And my covenant is with you and I'm going to be faithful even when you fall apart. And he says, listen, I want to be your God and I want your people to be my people. And so he says, listen, I want you to, I want you to leave the land where you're at and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eventually tell you where you're going to go, but I just want you to take off for now. And sometimes that really does feel like how following God feels, right? Have you ever been there before? You're like, I don't know exactly the right step to take, but God help me. I know I can't be here anymore. 
Been there before? And that's exactly what Abram does. He takes off and he begins to follow God's path for his life, one foot in front of the other. And this, there's a problem we read uh, later on with Abram. that he's, he's married. That's not the problem. The, the problem is, the, don't get the wrong idea. The problem is, is that he and his wife don't have any children. God says, hey, listen, I'm through you. I'm going to make tons of descendants, and your people are going to be my people. I'm going to be your God, and all nations are going to be blessed through you. But but Abram says, hey, listen, that would be great, but I don't even have one kid. So Abram decides, and have you ever been this on your own? You're like, listen, maybe it's time for me to take matters into my own hands, and that's exactly what Abraham does. He winds up, he winds up saying, hey, listen, I know we have a maidservant over here. What if, what if I have a child through her and they wind up having a child, but it's not the promise that God has given them. And you've been there before. You've tried to take matters into your own hand. You try to force things that you know, God was not opening doors for. And all of a sudden it kind of all fell apart. And you stood back and you wonder, listen, why, why is this happening? And God says, that's not the plan I have for you. You need to wait. You need to be patient. You need to Open up your heart to the next step that I'm giving you. So Abram waits with his wife, Sarah. And eventually they have this son, Isaac, right? And and it's like, all right, finally, good, one. That's far from a nation, right? And then just a few short years later, God calls down to Abraham and he says, listen, if you really love me, if you want to be obedient to me, you're going to sacrifice your only son. By this time, Abraham understands that while he doesn't know all of God's plans, God is faithful. So he takes his son and he goes and he puts him on this altar. And God stops and he says, Oh, I just want you to know that I provide. And there, before he sacrifices his son, there is, there is this uh, sacrifice waiting for them. We read the story of Abraham's descendants, Isaac, and then he has two children, Jacob and Esau. They're twins, and they have this rivalry, right? And Esau's born first, but Jacob winds up stealing the birthright, and there's dissension, but they finally come together. They kind of make amends. And Jacob winds up not only getting the blessing, but he, he, he kind of gathers this great assembly of children together through which we have the 12 tribes. And of those 12, you're probably the most familiar with the story of Joseph, one of his sons. It's this wild story. It's one of my favorite stories. He's, he's hated and despised in his early life, winds up being sold into slavery, finds himself in in the home and serving under one of the highest commanding people there in Egypt, then winds up being thrown in the slammer, right? And, And through this whole time, it says God's hand was on him. Some of you looking back through parts of your life, man, you went through all kinds of hell on earth. But looking back now, You recognize God's hand, even in the middle of all of it, was on you. Joseph finally gets out of jail, and he winds up helping. There's a severe famine in the land. He's promoted to second in command of all of the land. His family is restored. 
And we continue to read on and on about this lineage of Abraham, God's promise, where, where we wind up seeing how, how this small family grows and grows and grows. They're eventually held in captivity in Egypt. Joseph has long been since forgotten all the great things he's done, long since been forgotten. And now this nation of people all started through Abraham are now growing in abundance. And all of the Egyptians are scared of, of how the way that God is blessing them and, and increasing their numbers. So they hold them in captivity and they're enslaved for year after year after year. And in comes this guy, this story of a guy named Moses. Moses, uh, his birth, right? There's this time where they're saying, all right, listen, we're so scared of all of these Israelites that what we're gonna do is we're gonna start killing off the firstborn son. So if we see a woman, if she's pregnant, she has a son, we're gonna kill him. Moses' mom says, I don't like that plan. I don't think that's the plan that God has. So she saves her baby. His sister puts it down in the Nile River. You remember this story. And he's wound up being saved. He's found out by Pharaoh's daughter who winds up taking Moses in and raising him as her own. And Moses, as he grows older, he sees the way his people are treated. And he says, I can't handle this anymore. He winds up leaving and becoming a shepherd out in the country. But God says, no, 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 listen, you were, you were born for such a time as this. And we, we kind of really see this over and over and over again through God's people. And he calls him back through a burning bush. He calls him back to restore, redeem, and rescue God's people who are held in slavery. Moses begrudgingly goes back. And he winds up doing all these, all these uh, plagues, right? The, these things that nobody can even explain. At first, some of Pharaoh's, uh, uh, all of his magicians and people, they, they, they try to imitate, but eventually they can't. And he sends all these 10 plagues on the, on the land of Egypt. And eventually, over time, Moses leads the people out. And there's this really special relationship. If you read through the story of Moses, there's a really special relationship between Moses and God. In fact, there's a time where Moses goes up on the mountain and God gives him the Ten Commandments. Finally, after years and years and years of being God's people and God being their God, he finally gives them some instruction. Moses comes down, he delivers for the people. He speaks on behalf of God to the people and he leads the people. But much like you and me, sometimes the very thing we have in front of us, we become discontented by. It's no longer what we want. So God's people begin to say, listen, I'd rather go back to slavery than, than have to do all of this. And God says, all right, if that's the, really the way you feel about it, how about you wander around in the desert for 40 years until you die? And that's exactly what happens. So Moses spends the next 40 years leading a group of discontented people through the desert this kind of leading took courage, it took strength, it took dependence upon the people, and the people looked at him as, as this person who, who spoke on behalf of God, who gave direction on behalf of God. They depended on Moses. 
And what we find here in, at the end of uh, Deuteronomy and Numbers and leading up into Joshua is that, that even Moses himself, as he was leading the people, lost faith in God. And so God says, listen, you can lead up to the promised land, but you will, you will not get to enter it. And so there comes a time where Moses has to look things square in the eyes and realize that he's got to pass the torch And they're no longer 40 years in the wilderness. There's no longer leadership in the wilderness, which looks different. But now it's leadership in the promised land. And what does promised land living look like? They don't know. And what does Joshua's leadership look like? They don't know. And what is all of the expectations of what God's going to do and the, the people of Canaan? Remember how they looked like giants and we couldn't defeat them before and I'm not sure we can do it again. And they didn't know. And so here's where we pick up in Joshua chapter one. <clears throat> After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. And now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan in the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the the great river, the Euphrates, all the way to the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea, to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law that my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lip. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell them, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go take the possession of the land your God is giving you for your own. Now stop right there and we have this story play out, right? Moses dies, Joshua is now taking charge and and. God says, hey, listen, it's on you. It's all on you. Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you the land that I promised long ago, and I'm going to be with you. I need you to be strong and courageous. And there's several themes that, that wind up coming out of these short verses. The first one that really sticks out to me is in verses 7 and 8. If you pay attention to those verses, God is really encouraging the foundation of Joshua's leadership. What he keeps reminding Joshua over and over again 
is this idea that his success and his future and the Israelites' success and their future comes from faithfully following God. See, their success was never based on Moses. Their success was never based on Abraham. Their their success never came from a leader. Their success always came from God. And the only way that Joshua was going to have success was not based on what he did, but on what God would do. When I think about Wellhouse and the future and where God is leading us, I know this is true, that our future isn't dependent upon our persuasiveness, our politics, our power, or our polishedness. Its its future rests solely on the presence of God. I think there have been times in my life where there's this feeling in, inside of a church is like, well, I don't know if our church really can grow because I don't feel like I'm really that good of evangelizing with people. In fact, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that word evangelizing. and I'm not very good with sharing my faith and I don't really know how to do that. And it seems like the, the guy who speaks every Sunday, he seems to be a lot better at that than I am. So why don't we just let him do it? And here's what I want to let you know. The future of Wellhouse does not depend on your persuasive powers of the gospel. It never has. It doesn't matter how eloquent you are in sharing your faith. The matter, uh, the point of the matter is that you share your faith. Now that's what I love about Moses. He says, listen, I'm the wrong guy for the job. I stutter all the time. I can't even barely speak a sentence. Paul says the same thing. Listen, I'm terrible. You guys have heard me talk before. I'm not the person that you're going to come in and listen to. And yet, God uses both of those people in powerful ways. It's not about your persuasiveness that will bring about the future of Wellhouse. It's not about politics. Oh, thank God. Man, can I just tell you really quickly, I'm so thankful that our God is above politics. I'm so thankful for that. And I can rest assured at the end of the day that I don't have to bow to a Democrat or Republican or anybody else, but I bow to a king who sits on a throne in heaven. And that's, remember, listen, at our core, we may disagree on a whole lot of things. But we all bow to a king who sits on a throne in heaven, and he, he has a future for us. Our future isn't dependent upon our own power. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm grateful for this. As there, I see, listen, I see so many times in myself, there's, there, there can be good things, but man, whew, there can be some bad things too. And you're aware of it too. There's no doubt in my mind that as you kind of look forward to the 2022 year, right, that, that you started looking at, all right, what do I want to change? And there's some areas of your closet, you know, right, where you're like, I don't even want to open that door. I don't even want to go down that road. I, I know that there's some things I need to change, but I don't even want to look at those things. Because you know, when it boils down to it, there's some areas of your life where you feel powerless. You don't know how to change it. 
And if the, if the future of Wellhouse is dependent upon us, we're really in trouble. But the great news is that it's not. And here's what else is true. Wellhouse's future isn't dependent upon our polishedness. Now, it's great to do things well, and I believe that God wants us to do things excellently. But it doesn't matter how polished we are. It doesn't matter how pristine we come across. There are times where, where man, our, our live stream is going to crash and things don't come together well. We don't always see eye to eye. It doesn't matter how polished we are because that's not where the future of Wellhouse is dependent. Where Wellhouse is very dependent is upon God's presence. And the fact that we would live our open life saying, God, we need you to take control. We need you to take our next step. God, we're so dependent. Before we even move, God, we want you to lead our step. We need you to be with us every step of the way. And as, as God commands Joshua to go into the promised land, he begins by saying this, listen, before you take the step, before you cross the river, before you begin to lead these people, before you even say anything else to them, no, I need you to meditate on it day and night. I need it to be the first thing you think of and the last thing you think of when you go to bed at night. I want to just permeate from you your dependence upon my presence in your life. As, his, as this talk, this dialogue between Joshua and God continues on, verse, uh, sorry, <clears throat> verse nine, he says this. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Now, interestingly enough, this is the same command that Moses gave Joshua beforehand, be strong and courageous. And now God is telling Joshua, be strong and courageous. And then he adds in there also, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. I'm gonna be with you wherever you go. My question to you is, whenever you read something in the Bible, ask yourself why it's there. And my guess is that Joshua did not feel strong, courageous, that he did feel afraid and super discouraged. My guess is that's not the only time either. If you keep reading in this section of scripture, we read that, that a couple of the clans of the Israelites say, hey, listen, you know, uh, we're gonna stay behind. I mean, we'll help you fight, but we're gonna be over here. And it's not long before you see God's people, right, not doing the things that they thought. And I can only imagine a leader of the people seeing this time after time after time again seeing the, the failure of, of the people before and knowing that it might be coming up again, there might be some discouragement that comes along the way. And there might have been a sense for Joshua where he was just feeling timid and afraid. But God is telling him this because over and over and over again in the scripture, God reminds his people, that he's with us and that we don't have to fear. One of my favorite scriptures of all time is, is where Jesus is in the boat. Do you remember this story? Jesus is in the boat with his disciples and this great wind, the storm comes up on them and it says that the disciples, who some of them were fishermen, they were used to riding out the waves and the storms in this boat. They said they were afraid for their lives. 
which means that this was the worst storm they had ever been in before, and they thought truly they were going to die. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. Now, here's the crazy thing. They certainly had something to be afraid of. But God's command to his people over and over again is even when there's something to fear, you can fear not because God is with you. You see, timidity and fear didn't change Canaan into the promised kingdom. And that's true today as well. My goodness gracious, we live in a Canaan land, don't we? We live in a land that is full of giants that are looming. And it almost seems like no matter how you open your mouth these days, somebody's getting ready to pounce on you, right? And I wonder sometimes as Christ followers if timidity and fear is what we're filled with more than the Spirit of God. And here with this story with, with, with uh, Joshua and God, he says, listen, things are not going to go well. There's going to be time. In fact, do you remember this story right before, right before Moses kind of hands the baton? He says, I, I need you to sing this song. Y'all are going to be unfaithful and get destroyed, but God's never going to leave you. And I can only imagine being a singer, right, in that chorus. So you want me to sing what now? I mean, I don't like that verse, right? That's not my favorite little ditty you came up with. Could we change a few... See, it's not going to be easy, but we don't have anything to fear and we don't have to be timid because we know that God is with us. When we invite him into our presence, when we live for him, we don't have to fear because God is with us and he assures us that he'll never leave us. So God tells Joshua, hey, listen, I need you to not be afraid. Don't be discouraged Get your people ready. And so that's exactly what Joshua does. He gets them ready. And what's interesting about this, and I don't know if you noticed this at all, but God does not give Joshua much direction. He doesn't say, all right, this is how it's going to happen. Here's, here's step one, step two. Here's a really clearly defined way. If that was, if I was Joshua, I'd be like, listen, you need to spell this out a little more clear because I'm on your page. I'm on your, I'm like, I want to fight your battle, but I need to know. And he doesn't do that. But what Joshua does, without certainty, he provides clarity. Joshua takes God's commands. This is huge. And then he puts them into practice. I don't, how many of you, every year, you decide to make a New Year's resolution? You may not call it that anymore, but you decide, all right, this year I'm going to focus on, how many of you do that? Me, good. All right, per, all right, a couple, three, perfect. <laughs> Glad the rest of y'all are perfect. Um, I'm, just, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I think sometimes the reason why we don't do that much anymore is because we know the right things to do, but we don't ever do them. You can know all of the right things to do, and then guess what? It's up to you to put it into practice. 
How many of you know that when you drive, there's a certain thing called a speed limit? Some of you drive like you don't know that, all right? But there is. There's a thing called the speed limit, and you know that, it's, that, it, that it behooves you to drive the speed limit. It behooves you on several different on several different cases, right? You know, not going to get a ticket. You're probably not going to drive dangerously. And yet, how many of you still exceed that from time to time? I'm going to include myself in there. How many of you know, right, the right foods to eat? How many of you know it? And then how many of you do it all the time, right? Not me. We know. Listen, we know the right things to do. Our problem is that putting it into practice is hard work. So what does Joshua do? With almost no guidance, almost no direction, he puts it into practice. He takes the little bit that he knows, just the the, the little bit. All right, listen, God wants to go over there, so we're going to, Go over there. <laughs> Just show up in three days and we're going to go over there. How are we going to do I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But what I know is that God wants us to move and so we're going to move. Joshua has no practice in promised land leadership. He has no experience on the other side of the Jordan. But he knows that there is a God who's going to be with him. And so when he knows the right thing to do, he's going to do it. Joshua's orders weren't based on knowing how God would work, but rather just trusting that he would. And that's huge. I don't know what you're wrestling with right now, but my guess is that you're wrestling with something. And maybe that something is personally or relationally or spiritually But how would that differ if you trusted that God would work in that situation and you took the next right thing you knew to do and you just did it? You did it in spite of all of the other things. You put it into place. That's where I want to end today. I know it seems like a super weird place to kind of like wrap things up. But I want to tell you this. Over the last couple of months and getting to know some of you and meet you and sitting down and talking with the lead team and talking with our shepherds, and I know that one of the longings of our heart is to build relationship, to come together. And one of the words that, that has come out of that is this idea of family. And I love that. I love that because family is a tighter bond than than maybe you can ever have anywhere else. And as we looked at this idea of family, we broke it down into three different ways. A family is a place to belong, right? When you're with family, you belong to someone. You're a part of someone. We want Wellhouse to be a place where anybody who shows up through our doors, belongs. Long before they believe, long before they get it right, long before their life isn't screwed up, they belong. A family is a place where you bless other people. 
right? At, at, at our house, we all work together. We bless each other. And so as a family at Wellhouse, we want to look for opportunities to bless others, to be a blessing to others, to be a blessing to our community, to bless God in the process. And lastly, Wellhouse as a family is a place to become. I love kind of our tagline, our, our motto, our, our mission statement. It's a, it's a group of imperfect people who love by and, and serve a perfect God. I love that. But I, I've told Chris, I told our leadership team a couple of different times now, there's a part of that that's missing. And it's this transformational part, right? It's this transformational part where God says, listen, I see you're imperfect, but man, I love you so much. I wanna help grow you into something different. And there's a part of us that continues to grow over and over and over again as God refines us into who he created us to be. And this is a place we want to create a family where we become. Imagine just for a moment you have a child and, and over the course of time that child doesn't gain weight. It never, never learns to feed himself or herself. It never gets bigger, taller, faster, stronger. You might take that child into the doctor. They said, there's a problem because he's not becoming more mature. He's not growing up. And we want to be a place where we help people transition in their faith to grow and become not more like the church, not more like each other, not more like a, a, a better version of a, a Christian, but more like Christ. That's what we want Wellhouse to be. So as we work towards that over this year, one of the ways that we want you to do it is now you know practice. And you're gonna say, listen, I don't know. I mean, you didn't give me the steps. Like if you just give me like one, two, three, that would be good. And what I wanna say is here we are at the banks. What if you apply what you know? What if you just do what you know to do? to help somebody belong, to, to bless somebody else, to become more like Christ. Family gathers around the table. And today we have our table set up in the back as always. And here's the one step I'm gonna give you today. As family gathers around the table in our house, we pray. So here's what I'd love for you to do is just, as you gather around the table, grab somebody anybody. If you see somebody without somebody else, grab them and pray together. Would you pray with me now? God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for calling us your children. We thank you for the promise you gave Abraham way back when that you would bless all people through him. And God, we thank you that even though we have been faithless, you've been faithful. And so God, would you help us would you help us to be people who would just know the thing to do and then do it and trust you that we don't have to have every step marked out for us to be faithful followers of you, that we just have to trust you and know that you're with us and that you're never, ever, ever gonna leave us so that we can be people who are bold in our faith and bold in our walk and bold in our love and bold in our serving. So 
God, as we gather around this table, may it be a place where we develop family, where we care and we love and we serve and we belong and we bless and we become more of who you created us to be. We thank you for your sacrifice of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Dismissing the tables.